We're in this series entitled Word. Say Word. This is, whoa, say Word. Say Hokey Pokey. So you guys, you'll do whatever I ask you to do. I love that. Um, today we're going to continue in this series entitled Word. This is our fourth sermon. Uh, we, we started week number one. We had a, we're, we're talking about words for specific groups of people, in, not only in this house, but, but, but in our community that, that we feel like from God's word might encourage us and help us mm, just be a little bit better in who we are and what we're called to do. The first word we had was a word for the church, and it was this word first. Scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added unto you as well, right? Life just seems to work better when God is first in your life. I'm just telling you that. Everything kind of trickles down from there and it is awesome. The second word we had was a word for parents. And that word for parents was this, lead, lead, not follow, lead, parents, in God's grand plan and his scheme for your thing called the family, he, he has placed kids in your life and under your, leader, under, under, under your roof for you to lead them. Are you with me? Parents, we lead. We lead. The kids don't. The kids are not the CEOs of the home, right? Parents lead. Our third word was a word for widows, and it was this word enlargement. And it was, it was this meaning that for some of us, we feel like if we find ourselves in that stage of life where, where we've lost our significant other for so many, we feel like life has ended. No, that is the time in which we believe that God wants to meet you in even greater ways. And he wants to continue to use you to expand your influence in the world in which we live. God's not done with you yet. Amen. Now today we've got a word for married couples and we're going to continue in this series. Next week is Vision Day. I want to just kind of give you a heads up to let you know we got three more sermons after this one with the we on, on the first Sunday of October we have a word for teenagers actually for the whole month of October we have a word for teenagers <laughs> just kidding no these guys are awesome and I can I just give you a program you know our student band's going to lead worship that morning and I'm telling you whoo you need to carb up and, and, and hydrate because it is on. It is going to be a great time. We got a word for teenagers the first Sunday of October. We're going to follow it up with a word for singles. Any single people in the house? A, a single, single person. That's awesome. Awesome. Maybe we just send you to farmersonly.com and help you out with, with that. But no, we, we've got a word for single people that we believe is going to... So if you know single people... Bring them, bring them. Um, and then we're going to, we, we're, we're adding a sermon. Is that okay if we add a sermon? We just feel like the Lord, with some, some things we've been hearing from people and, and we just feel led by the Spirit. We're, we're going to add a sermon to this series. We're going to add a word for divorced people. And so it's going to be a great series as we continue. But today, say today. today. Say monster trucks. Monster no, trucks. stop it. Okay. Today we have a word for married couples, okay? Any married couples in the house? Awesome. Any happily married couples in the house? Woo. Any unhappily married couples in the house? Whoa, yeah. That, that man on the back row is going, I don't know if I should clap. No. Be honest, but that's not the appropriate time to clap right now. So... We believe that God has a word for married couples. And here's the deal. You, right now, you might not be married. You, you might find yourself engaged right now. I believe that the word today is also for you. Uh, you, you, you might be single. 
right now, but there may be someone that God has in your future. So I, I believe that the, 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 the words that we're going to share today are things that will prepare us even for what lies ahead. Does that make sense to you? And so don't feel like, oh, because I'm not married or I'm single or I'm 15 or 16, I'm, I'm just a teenager. I believe that there's some things that God wants to, to share with all of us that are going to help us. But I have a word for married couples today, and that word is the word covenant. Covenant. Now, I know that that's not a word that in your normal language and your comings and goings throughout that, you probably don't say the word covenant, 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 a lot in our, in our culture today. But this word is huge. And I believe that it is a great word when it comes to married couples and what God would desire for us. So here's what we're going to do today. We're going to look at God's word. Are you okay with that? Anybody like the Bible in this house? Listen, and here's the reason we're going to look at God's word because here's the deal. God cares a great deal about marriage. You know that, right? In fact, do you know that he created it? It was not created by a government institution. It wasn't created by some love doctor. No, marriage was created by God. And so we, we're crazy here at 1910. We believe, well, if God created it and spoke to it, we probably ought to look to him for guidance and direction in relation to that. Is that all right? We thought about looking at Oprah. We thought about, you know, the view or whatever that's all about. We, we thought about, we thought, but we just thought God's word probably has the best counsel and coaching for us as married couples. Is that okay? Yes. So we're going to look at, in fact, from the earliest pages of Scripture, God lays out his design for how he sees, he sees the joining of a man and a woman. Let me rewind the tape and say that again. Ooh, look, from the earliest pages of Scripture, God lays out his design for how he sees the joining of a man and a woman. And here's what he says. The first thing that I find in the very first book of the Bible, which is called, not appendix to Genesis, um, in the very first book of the Bible, we, we find this in, in chapter two. God, marriage is a union. You know that, right? It's a union. It's, it's, a union takes place. Two or more than two things come together and they become one. You see, when, when, when God makes Eve... And, and, and introduces her to Adam. That is an incredible thing to think about, isn't it? How, how God caused man to go into a deep sleep and, and brought a rib from the man and created this woman that was beautiful. Men, aren't we thankful that we have a great creative God that can create beautiful women for us, right? Amen. Yeah, I got the guy's attention. Now, you're going to love point three here in a few minutes, guys. You're really going to love that one. But the first thing that we see is marriage is a union. And when God introduces and makes Eve and introduces her to, to Adam, I, I love what God says in Genesis 2, verse 24. He says, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife. The two are united into what? into one. These two, that were two individual, two different beings, God brings them together and unites them into one. Hey, did you know that marriage is more than just a piece of paper? It, it, it is, it's this idea of, of what it says in 2.24 of, 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 of the idea of, of two becoming one flesh. Marriage is more than just living together. Marriage is more than just, just having sex. It's, it's this understanding that these two people are now a, a, a single identity. And God's divine intent in, in creating the man and God's divine intent in, in, in creating that woman is that the two would become one. 
that they would become one flesh that can no longer be divided. You see, real marriage and, and real commitment carries it with this idea that, that this man and that this woman, that, man, they're together now for life. You're to adhere together. You're, you're to stick together. That's what that word cleave that you hear a lot of times in, in wedding ceremonies. When you cleave to one another, you, you stick together like glue. There's nothing that can separate that. It's a union. And the second thing that we find, we find the first thing in the first book. And the second book of the Bible is the book of we don't know. It's Exodus. That's why you need discipleship classes starting tonight at six o'clock. So you can, can learn some things like this. Marriage is a promise. And when you read the, the 19th chapter in the, in the book of Exodus, the, the, the second book in the Bible, when you look through that 19th chapter of Exodus, you, you find Moses receiving these, these 10 commandments from, from God. There weren't 15 like Mel Brooks taught so many of you. That's why you need discipleship classes so you really learn scripture. When God was giving these 10 commandments to Moses here, I love it because these, these commandments are kind of like God's marriage contract with his people or his covenant with, not his contract, his covenant with his, his people. Look what it says in, in Exodus 19, beginning in verse 7. It says, So Moses returned from the mountain, and he called the people together, called the elders of the people, and he told them everything the Lord had commanded him. Hey, we could stop right there. And by the way, when God shows you something, whether that be in a worship experience like this, or when he speaks to you in the quietness of your personal time with him or your prayer closet or whatever, listen, that is meant to, to mean something to you, but it's not meant for you alone. It's meant to be shared with other people, right? Think about this. If Moses would have gone up on the mountain with God, Mount what? Sinai, good. There's, I'm telling you, there's some disciples in this house. When God, when, if Moses would have just taken what God had shown in there and kept it to himself, we wouldn't have verses 7 and 8. We, we wouldn't have the, the Ten Commandments. Moses could have thought, oh man, I'm awesome. God spoke to me. And that's all for, no, he brought it back down from the mountain to the people below. And he began to share, as it says in verse 7 here, everything that God had commanded him. And verse 8 says, the people responded this way. We will do everything the Lord has commanded. Now think about those Ten Commandments that would follow. What we find is the people begin to clean and prepare themselves to meet their bridegroom. And if you begin to think about those, those, those Ten Commandments, those, those, those first commandments are probably the same ones that you would want from a marriage partner. For instance, you will not cheat on me. It's probably pretty good commandment to share with a marriage partner. Would you not agree with that? Well, what about you will love and adore me only? Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Remember that commandment, right? What, what, you, you should love. Or what about you will not misuse my being or defame my character? You will not curse me. You know, those types of things. And think about it. So, so marriage, yeah, it's, it's more than, than, than just this piece of paper, how many of you have been to a wedding ceremony? You ever been to a wedding ceremony? Most of us probably have. And you know that in a wedding ceremony, the, the, you, you stand, the, the, the bride and the groom stand before friends, and they stand before family. And, and they share these things called vows. 
V-O-W-S, not vowels, Vanna, vowels with one another. And, and they, 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 they share this. You, what, what you're doing is you're, you're swearing before witnesses that, hey, this is the person that you will become one with. This is the person that you will hold to exclusively for the rest of the days of your life. That, 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 that's why I would encourage those of you who aren't married yet to, to really listen and consider those words. Because this, this is a serious thing. This is a big deal. You see, marriage is it's not just about a ceremony and people getting together with pretty flowers and pretty dresses and, and the festivities of, of the parties that, that, that take place. No, marriage is about a covenant. Say covenant. It is about a covenant. You see, marriage is not a contract. It's a covenant. Now, I don't know if you really understand the significance of this word covenant. You see, in the, in the Old Testament days, a covenant was one of the most sacred, most solemn of pledges that anyone could ever share. You know, when we were kids, most of us probably remember a time where, where we would maybe prick our finger or cut ourselves and ask a friend of ours to do the same. And we would, we would mix that blood together and we became blood brothers or blood. Do girls do that? That's what I'm talking. We got some girls. But you, you, you kind of like, man, I'm in this with you. We've swapped blood. That makes us one. It's kind of like barbaric, isn't it? Well, even in the Old Testament, when people would make a covenant, it was one of the most solemn commitments, most sacred, solemn pledges that you, you could. When, when, when two people in the Old Testament entered into a covenant with one another, that they would take a goat or, or, or a lamb and, and they, would, they would kill that goat or lamb and, and its carcass would be cut in half. Awesome. Aren't you glad you came to church today? That, 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 that carcass would be cut in half. And, and what they would do is they would lay that carcass, uh, both halves, on the side of the ground. And this couple that was entering into a covenant with one another would, would walk between those, those two carcasses laying on the ground. And, 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 and they would say this as they're walking through this. May God do so to me if I ever break this covenant with you and God. In other words, may God cut me in half if I ever break this covenant that I'm making with you today and this covenant that I'm making with God. Man, talking about going to a whole nother level in our wedding ceremonies, somebody instead of a unity candle, let's just cut something in half and lay it there. Forget the lasso. Let's cut something. No, it's pretty serious, isn't it? Talking about going to a whole nother level, that, that, that holds more, more substance than what we think of this word covenant oftentimes is. Marriage is a covenant. It's not a contract. It's not that, you know, I'm going to sign a contract. Let's just do this for like five years. And then you go your way, I'll go my let's, or Hey, I, I think I got 10 in me, 10 years. Let's do 10. And then we, no, it's, it's not a contract. You know, contract pretty much says, hey, if you do your part, then I'm going to do my part in something. Many of us have probably entered into a contract of some sort, probably have. Maybe you signed a contract for a home and you know that you can live in that home as long as you pay for that home, right? 
You signed a covenant with the city for utilities, maybe. And, and you know that as long as you pay for those utilities, well, you get to enjoy the benefits of those utilities. You signed a contract for a cable provider. And your bill started out looking nice, but then your bill got larger. <laughs> and it just became so ugly. And his <laughs> buttons, I mean, sorry, squirrel. A contract pretty much says, if you do your part, then I'll do my part. A covenant, on the other hand, man, it's 100% my part, and it is 100% your part. It is all in. That's the covenant. And I think that maybe we've forgotten that, that maybe when we stood before the minister, or maybe when you stood before the judge, that, that you made a covenant with your spouse, more importantly, you know what? You, you made a covenant with God. He was there. And, and you made those promises. In fact, so, some, of, some of you may have said, so help me God in your vows. You, you, you know, you, you, you just committed. You, you covenanted with him. And I want you to remember this today. Maybe your marriage today is, is not happily ever after. Maybe it's hanging by a thread. Maybe it's a struggle. I just want you to know something today. You, you, you have the power of this covenant-keeping God that stands with you and supports your marriage. I want you to know that it's not just you and your spouse that have to figure this out, whatever you're going through. Hey, listen, trust in God. Lean on Him. Let, let Him be a part of your marriage. And I'm just telling you, you will see it go to a whole nother level. You will. Will you let Him in? And be a part of that. The, the, the Bible speaks of this coming together in, in the book of Ecclesiastes. It, it, it's, it's, it's kind of a unity, right? And I, I love when the Bible speaks of, of coming together in Ecclesiastes 4.12. Listen to what it says, this idea of unity. A person standing alone can be attacked and defeated, but two can stand back to back and conquer. It says three are even better. For a triple-braided cord is not easily broken. You see, listen, here's the deal. We are woven together with God as husband and wife. It's, it's a man, it's a woman, but check this out. It's also God. And, and here's the deal. It's kind of like this giant triangle. God is, see, see, see what I'm doing here? Can you see that? Whoa, look, watch. It's a triangle. With, with God here at the top and a man and woman, the more that this man and woman are pursuing God together, I'm just telling you, man, something special happens in our relationship. But it takes two to pursue God together. Here's what happens so oftentimes in our culture. It's one that pursues. And oftentimes it's the woman. What, what this distance between their relationship, what once was maybe manageable and, and good, with, with only one pursuing Christ, what happens to that distance in their relationship? They're becoming further and further apart. It takes both a husband and wife pursuing God together. A band of three is, is, is better. It's not easily broken. And I'm telling you, the closer that we get to God, the closer, oh, woo, talk to me, the closer he's going to draw us together. As husband and wife, you know that's good. Somebody can say amen right there. Amen. Not only that, the better your communication is going to be. Anybody here need to work on communication? Yeah. Probably most of us men probably should have said yep. Or uh-huh, because that's how we communicate. Yep. Mm. Yep. 
we grunt, groan, scratch, whatever. We just, you know, we, we just, I don't know. Why did I say that? I don't know. The better our connectedness comes. I, I think even the better our sex is, the more we pursue. You know, God talks a lot about sex, right? We did a series years ago. So many people raked me over the coals on that. But it was awesome. <laughs> awesome. Sex done God's way is a beautiful thing. Teenagers, whew, listen to your preacher. No other preacher is going to tell you this this morning. When you do sex God's way, it's a beautiful thing. It is, isn't it? Sex done God's way is beautiful. We need to bring that back. I'm getting hot. Anyway, so so maybe you're here this morning and you're thinking to yourself, self, you're thinking to yourself, wow, maybe my marriage here this morning is hanging by a thread. I would just say maybe perhaps then you don't have this cord of God in your marriage. Maybe that cord is not as strong. Maybe you're not tethered to God. You're tethered to one another and you're fighting and you're doing the best you can. Or you're tethered to the marriage help section at Barnes & Noble. You're tethered to some guru on TV. You're not tethered to God. And maybe your marriage is, maybe that might be the problem. Maybe that's the reason it's hanging by the thread. Listen, you need the strength of the husband. You need the strength of the wife. But listen, you still need God to be the center of it all. Am I making sense to anybody here today? You need God. And with God at the center of it all, I'm telling you, that cord will not be easily broken. It will not be easily broken. So let me share with you some things real quickly, some, some things that I believe that you should do every day as a married couple. Is that all right? Can I do that? You know, you probably have heard this statement at some point in your life. You've got to make time to invest in your marriage. How many of you have heard that? You've You've got to make time to invest in your marriage. And that's great. We all recognize that. And doesn't that sound good? It sounds really, really good. But how do you do that? I mean, let's be honest, you're, you're, you're trying to balance your work. You're, you're, you're trying to balance your family. You're trying to balance your social life. And, and it's just hard to, to figure it, it out. How do you find the time or energy to invest in one more thing? Am I talking to anybody? I mean, in a practical sense, what does it actually mean to invest in your marriage when life is crazy and even past crazy? It's out of control. Well, I'm glad you're here today because I'm an expert. I'm not. I started to have my wife on stage today. She's like my personal Holy Spirit. She lets me know like with this, you know, when I'm messed up. Guys, you ever get, anybody got sore rib cages? Men, just from, oh, that's, I started to have Angie up here today to kind of like push a button and say, ah, that's not right. You're, you're, you're lying. That's not true. I'm not an expert at this. In fact, my sermons a lot of times are written for, for me. And I just kind of regurgitate those to you guys and hope that it settles and makes sense to you. But, but I, I don't profess to having these, thing, these things figured out yet. Uh, but I've kind of written these as a reminder to myself. But I want to share with you real quickly um, some bite-sized things to consider doing these things to invest in your marriage. Can we do that? Are you okay? Number one is this. Connect spiritually. We've already talked about that. I believe one of the most beautiful aspects of marriage comes with with the opportunity to emotionally and spiritually connect with another human being. And I believe that this thing called the gift of of a Christian marriage, I believe it is a gift to be married to another Christ follower. And by the way, I believe that Christians should marry Christians. Do not marry missionary projects. Oh, I'm going to win him for Jesus. No, you go to another person and win them for Jesus, not the person you're going to try to convert spiritually. I just, 
we could go so many directions there. But I'm just telling you, the beautiful gift of this thing called the Christian marriage gives us an opportunity to connect not only with one another, but, but, but also with a holy and almighty God. And oftentimes, so many couples that know Christ, we, we tend to take this spiritual connection for granted. And we forget that, that, that some of the most intimate moments in our marriage are when, when we're sharing our hearts, when we're communicating what's, what's in our spirit. And when we're talking about our relationship with, 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 with God, I get so fired up when, when Angie tells me what she's reading in, in her Malachi study right now. And I love what she, when she shares with me what God is showing her through, through her personal time with him. It's, it's awesome. And I believe that some of those most intimate times may be those moments that, that you just sit there hand in hand, at, maybe at the end of the day, and you just pray about maybe whatever's going on in your lives. It's a simple act, but yet I believe that it holds supernatural outcomes. Connect spiritually. Number two, communicate meaningfully. And this is the hard part for us as men, probably, because most of us may have a difficult time with this part, communicating meaningfully. You know, believe it or not, the average married couple just spends just a few minutes a day in active, meaningful conversation. They also tell us that, that communication gets less and less with each year of marriage. That saddens me because... There is so much joy in being able to communicate with your spouse. In fact, if you want to do something small that I believe will be a huge leap in your marriage relationship, let me just share this with you. Why don't you set aside 10 to 20 minutes a day sitting face-to-face with your spouse for the sole purpose of communicating? The men in this room are going, oh, crap. Can't you just tell me to lay on a bed of nails or barefoot over burning coals or something, you know? You're telling me to sit face to face and commute. Yeah, I'm just telling you. Ladies, would you not appreciate that? A few. The rest of them say, no, just buy me something. Just kidding. So shallow. No. But maybe that's a big start. Don't let this be a time to discuss the conflict or the problems that maybe you're... It's just the time to catch up and, and, and to keep up with, with, with one another. Maybe consider asking some open-ended questions. What are those? Guys, let me help you out. Like this. Hey, what was the best part of your day today, honey? Or, 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 or maybe it's this one. Guys, I know this is a stretch. This is church. With God, all things are possible. Hey, hey what is something I can do to help you out this week? <laughs> Now, by the way, women, you can ask us that too. This is not just for the dudes, right? The goal of this time is for you guys to enjoy your time together and enjoy one another to encourage one another, okay? So connect spiritually, communicate meaningfully. And I love number three, touch often. Mm. You know, kids are a blessing, aren't they? Why are you laughing? Y'all are. Your kids are a blessing, all of y'all. But sometimes they may hinder or limit couples in this area right here, right? Most of our time is is spent taking care of the kids, and, and oftentimes our spouse gets none of our physical touch. 
But I believe that the, the, the truth is that even during seasons of life when it's hard to come by, physical touch is such an important part of investing in our marriage. Do you believe that? I mean, to, hey, hey, I want to take inventory of, of your marriage and find times. You might even have to schedule it where you can deliberately just, just hold hands. Maybe just, just, you know, rubbing her back as you glance past her in the kitchen. You might even need to schedule intimate moments or times or, or things like that. The kids are away. It's time to play. You know, you might need to do something. My favorite phrase is date night, mate night, right? There's just something special about whenever you do, you need to be focused about these things. All of our teenagers are going, la, 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 blah, blah, it's gross, vomit in my mouth. It's... But here's the deal. Physical touch conveys to your spouse that you notice them. It does. It conveys to them that you desire them and you want to be near them. Whew, let's go. Number four. This is hard. Confess and forgive. Ooh. Guys, as much as we talk about confession and forgiveness within circles like this, this thing called the church... We oftentimes fail to apply it in our marriages, don't we? Because let's just be honest, it's a hard task. This idea of being vulnerable, this idea of, of sharing our weaknesses and shortcomings with, with another person, it's just it's a hard pill to swallow for, for so many. That's why exactly God calls you to do it. <laughs> This practice of, uh, uh, of letting down our, our, our pride and, and, and this act of, of, of confession. You know what it does? It, it opens the door for this opportunity for us to forgive one another. And, and I believe this thing called forgiveness is that sacred glue that holds marriages together. In fact, look at this next statement I have about couples. Couples who are highly satisfied in marriage are not the ones who have the least amount of disagreement but the ones who have the most forgiveness. That's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's, we're, we're all going to have disagreement. We are. I think Billy and Ruth Graham had disagreements in their marriage. But yet, the ones who, who are the most satisfied are, are able to forgive one another. And the reality is this today. Some of you drove here together with your spouse, but yet there's turmoil and there's a battle raging on. And it might just be because you've not forgive, forgiven them. And you're holding on to something and the enemy is having a field day with it. Man, we need to learn to confess. We need to learn to forgive. Why? Because the pastor said so? No, just let me remind you of somebody greater. God has forgiven each one of us, hasn't he? And, 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 and so many times, and those of us who, who live in that freedom that we have received from him, listen, what that does, it frees us to forgive others. So invest in your marriage by taking that time to search your heart, being honest with your spouse about maybe some of those things that <coughs> you're longing to change, maybe those areas in which you need to ask for forgiveness. Number five, and the last thing is this, get away Get away. They say that couples who pray together stay together. But, but I think it could also be said about couples who, who play together. That they have the most fun, don't they? 
Isn't it fun just to, to get away? I was talking with a gentleman this morning. He and his wife just were away on 30-year anniversary trip and, and at a tropical destination. And that gummit, their flight was delayed for another day because of weather. And so they just, ah, poor people had to stay another day in this exotic destination. And the airline gave them money to go, you know, enjoy. And just, they were playing together. I love that. Listen, guys, married people, life can get busy. The stress of all of it can make us lose sight that that God wants us to enjoy one another. He, he wants us to enjoy this life he's given us. So invest in your marriage by taking time to go on dates. Take a drive together. Go, go, go to dinner. Heck, play a board game in the living room. Twister's awesome as a married couple. You know, do things to have fun. Get away. Married couples, invest in your marriage. And oftentimes that means being deliberate about the small things. But those small things, I believe, will have a huge impact. Whether you've been married for five days or whether you've been married for for 50 years, it's never too early or too late to start making a difference in your marriage. And just let me share this with you as we wrap it up. For those of you that are married couples and have kids, you're also a parent. Parents, I believe that the best gift you can give to your kids is to love your spouse. That's the best gift. Now these guys down here may say, no, I'd rather rock a new car, Xbox, PlayStation, whatever. I Now, I'm telling you, parents, the best gift you can give to your kids is to love your spouse. And so men, let me encourage you with something. Love your wives. Ladies, let me encourage you with something. Love your husbands. Love them. And I'm praying that as we love one another, our kids are going to see that. They're going to take notice of that. But here's the deal. The world around us will also take notice of that. Have you ever thought of your marriage as being a witness for Christ? Your your, your marriage is this picture of of the, the groom's love for the bridegroom, the church. Let's put that on display for the world to see. Now, not only for our kids, but but let's be a testimony. Let's be a witness to a culture who really thinks that, I don't know if marriage can even work this, this time and age. Hey, listen, let's be a witness that with God in it, we will win it. Amen? Was that any good today? Good. I needed that. I needed that. Dave needed that. Dave, you needed that, didn't you? I'm helping you out. Dave's engaged. Get married. I know. Hearts are broken all across the auditorium. It's all right. So happy for you and Emma. Dave's brother Jerry getting married too. 
Man, the Holgeen. Next week, Holgeens, man, their house is just boom, growing up, blowing up. Hey, I want to ask you to stand with me this morning, and I want to pray over us today. In fact, I want, can I have our prayer ministry team go ahead and make their, their way to the front this morning? Hey, listen, we're not done. We want to have a time to prayer ministry over you today. Hey, by the way, we're not done because we have baptism that's about to happen out on the back lawn. In fact, if you're getting baptized, go ahead and leave right now and go get your swimsuits on. Pastor Jason going to join you in a few minutes with a cannonball in the baptistry, all right? Have you seen that video of the MMA baptism? The, I'm ready. I worked out this week. I got some rage in me this morning. Oh. We're going to have baptism out on the back lawn. We'd love for you to, to come hang out with us for a few moments and, and celebrate with those that have given their life to Jesus Christ. But today, we're here in the front. Our ministry team is here to pray with and encourage you this morning in any form or fashion. I'm going to ask you to grab somebody's hand next to you this morning, and I want to pray over us today. Father, thank you so much for reminding us today of how you view marriage, and this thing is beautiful when it's done your way and the right way. And God, thank you for the reminder that we don't have to face married life on our own. You stand there with us, ready to help us. God, I pray for every married couple in this house today that we, we would be a witness and a testimony as to who you are and how you love. God, I pray that for those of us that have kids, I pray that when they look up at mom and dad, they would see a mom and dad that love one another. And we model that well for our children. Father, I pray for those that are here today that feel like their marriage is hanging by a thread. I'm praying, God, they would understand that you stand ready to help and assist. I pray that they would trust in you and turn to you. God, thank you. Thank you for who you are, ready to help in our time of need. We commit this to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. You're dismissed.